Hey, it's producer Dave from the Court TV podcast, and we love working on this show. But in order to support it, we need the help of some great advertisers because that's how podcasts work. We want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about, though. So we need to learn a little bit about you. Please go to podsurvey.com forward slash court TV and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring you advertisers that you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can even choose to enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash court TV. Thanks for listening. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. On today's Court TV podcast, an update on the college admission cheating scandal. And meanwhile, in Iowa, the trial for a hog farmer accused of murdering his wife with a corn ring. And finally, we set the stage for the Texas murder trial beginning next week that everyone will be talking about. This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinnie Politan and Seema Iyer. Welcome to the Court TV Podcast. I'm Vinnie Politan here at Court TV Podcast headquarters with Seema Iyer. Hey, Seema. Hey, Vinny. Wow, you're chipper today. I am so excited. This is my favorite part of the week is the podcast. It is. And, I, and, and I, you're here, too. And she's telling the truth, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, if you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review. Please. Five stars and write a review for us. That we would really help. We got some reviews since last week. And now, now that we're were they pushing, good? They were all really nice. Loved by millions? Loved by tens. Not tens. Okay. <laughs> we're getting there. We're, we're getting, getting there. there. It's happening. Absolutely. Okay, so the big news is Felicity Huffman, Desperate Housewife. I know that was one of your favorite shows, right? Not at all. Really? I watched the real Housewives, oh. not the desperate ones, well, the real the ones, because I like reality. Ones. This was a great show. Okay, so anyway, so Felicity Huffman, Desperate Housewife, was sentenced last week in a federal court in Boston for the biggest college admissions scandal in the history of the of the world. Yeah, in, in the history of the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Is that what we really want them doing, the FBI? Is is looking is, is wait, I'm sorry, uh enforcing what law? What law crime are they? offenders? What, wait, wait, what law are they enforcing? They're charging these people with mail and wire fraud. And that's a crime. Is and that's what the FBI it's a, does. It's a creative it's a, crime. No, it's not. It's a real crime. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see when the when the people who haven't uh, pleaded guilty, like Felicity Huffman, actually take these cases to trial and see whether or not a jury really believes that the University of Southern California is a victim in all of this. And will they really believe the government's star witness? Why am I sounding like a defense attorney? Okay, will, but wait. will they really believe the government's star witness, who was the ringleader, who's getting a deal, who's getting a deal in all of this? The ringleader gets the deal in all this. It's ridiculous. The whole thing's a waste of time. Okay, just because a college or university is a named victim doesn't mean there aren't more victims, such as all of the people out there who are trying to get into these universities by merit, and their spots are taken up by a bunch of rich kids whose parents are paying their way into these schools. Right, so you found out who they are, kick them out. That's Wait, fine. Okay. What, what does all, that have to do with using the, the our top law enforcement agency 
and spending time on this. And and I'll tell you why they're spending time on this because we're talking about it. It's a big story no, all the no, time. No, that's not they, why. Because oh, there are absolutely. crimes being committed, and no. it is their job to investigate and prosecute them. Hello, you act like there's like five FBI agents in the country, and like we don't have enough to work with. There's plenty of people to work on various crimes. So there's whether it is sex trafficking or drug dealing or this type of mail-slash-wire fraud. It is fraud, it is a crime, and it deserves to be prosecuted. It's commercial bribery, and there's no federal statute that outlaws commercial bribery. So they have to kind of backdoor it through this mail and wire fraud uh, theory where they are alleging that because their, their own employees, they their own employees are not trustworthy. These coaches and, and admissions people at these schools, their own employees are not trustworthy. And therefore the school is a victim of Felicity Huffman or these other uh, rich parents because they gave money to the ringleader who then gave money to the employees of the school and somehow the school school has been robbed of the services of these people who they hired, who they can't trust. And, and, and it all involves an admissions process where these private, not public, but private institutions can't police their own admissions well, process. Hold on a second. You're not it's looking at fault. you're not looking at the greater good. And that is because of this particular admissions scandal, it has prompted the Department of Education to open more investigations in nationwide investigations into other colleges. So maybe they are looking at public schools and universities right now. And the bottom line is are you saying it's okay for these parents, people with more money, to buy their kids access to a better education? No, not at all. Not even, not even so close then to that. So then you're saying ignore this? They, no, I didn't say ignore it. I said you can out them. You can indict the ringleader who was getting tens of millions of dollars and shut the whole thing but no, down. No, you can't. You you don't know that. First of all, you're talking about one ringleader in one scandal. Now that the Department of Education is investigating this, there may be other ringleaders. There may be more uh, proctors. There may be more of these consultants who are taking money and essentially getting kids into schools that they do not deserve to well, be in. Then the ACTs and the SATs need to police their own employees better. I don't even know what an ACT is. Do you know what that is? It's like the SAT. It's an alternative test. Is it test. like for foreigners? No, no, oh, no, no. My, I thought it was my child took the ACT. Did oh. well. Listen, so th at the end of the day, what we're talking about here are private companies and private universities that can't control their own employees. So they've got to bring in the Federal Bureau of Investigation to turn this into some sort of RICO money laundering, wire fraud, criminal investigation that will that that does not get to the heart of the problem. The heart of the problem is the universities themselves and their admissions process. They're asleep at the wheel. Okay, and that and is liked, why but, but, but they like these people coming in. Why? Because they all paid full freight. All yes. these parents, right, that that paid tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get their kids into school, didn't take any financial aid. That's right. Paid full freight. So the school was either turning a blind eye or didn't care in letting all these kids continue because they're paying full freight. They need kids like that okay. to pay seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year. Right. No, and you're talking about there was a. Uh, one of the defendants, $300,000, other defendant, another one, $400,000. And these are not as famous as Felicity Huffman. And of course, let's not forget about Aunt Becky. 
from yeah, well, Full House, Fuller House fame. Her and her husband are going to challenge it. And I'll be interested to see how this trial turns out. And they paid half a million. Exactly. So the so the victims or the the victims of the case are getting paid full freight from the students who are going in. The alleged um, criminals in the case are paying money, plus yes. paying even more money to someone who is then making money, who is the ringleader, who is then giving it to the employees of the universities who are making that money. That is correct. That is correct. And in some cases, the employees didn't even get the money. The money was donated to programs at the school. At my alma mater, Stanford University, the money didn't even go to the sailing coach. It went to the sailing program. So the, the parents, the criminals in this case, were donating money to the sailing program, and then the sailing coach then vouched for these students, and then the university right. did not did not follow up to say, oh, we're letting this sailor into our school. Should we even check to see if they are a sailor? Well, just like Aunt Becky's kids, they got into the rowing program at University of Southern California, and I don't know, they... They, they don't rowers. know the difference between a canoe and a kayak. A two-second Google by the admissions office would have figured it out. It's this universities not doing their jobs. And again, if these were public universities, that's public corruption. That's a problem. Okay, these but are private now we universities. Have to, we have to agree on the fact that because the Department of Investigation is, I mean, Department of Education is now investigating, then this is a good thing. Right, but they could have investigated all the. You see, what happened is this: this was an accidental investigation. They were investigating something yes, else. Yes, that's they, correct. They that came correct. across the ringleader. That is Once right. Once they came across, they could have outed him, indicted him, had their press conference, and given all the information to all the universities about this guy and who his. But there may be more guys like that out there. Well, let's see if there are. This guy clearly was the ringleader of ringleaders. He was the guy that you went to, and and you know where most of this money is coming from, California. Out in Hollywood is where this is Okay, so from. speaking of Hollywood, can we tell people what Felicity Huffman got? Because I really want to know what sure, your opinion is. Sure. All right. So she is getting 14 days in prison. She has to report for her bunk. Lynette Scavo going to the big house. October 25th. It's happening. Now, she's also gotten 250 hours of community service, one uh, one year of supervised release, which is kind of like parole. And then she has to pay a fine of $30,000. It is noteworthy that what she had paid uh, to get her kid a 400-point increase in SAT score was $15,000. So perhaps that's why the judge made it 30, because both the prosecution and the defense were only asking for a $20,000 fine. Prosecution wanted 30 days in jail. She got 14. Should she have gotten anything at all, Vinny? Is that a rhetorical question? Well, you, you, here's she she pleaded guilty. She decided not to challenge the government, so she pleaded guilty through in the and towel. she pled guilty early on. Yeah, she admitted what she did was wrong. Now, d make no mistake, what these people have done is despicable. It is wrong. It is outrageous. But if the schools really believe that they have been victimized by these parents, then sue them. All these schools have billions of dollars. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I agree with that. That that's a that is a good way. Now, is this civil action would have been more appropriate? Correct. Now, is this going to get Aunt Becky to plea? Lori Laughlin. Uh, well, she's facing a lot of time <laughs> if, if she's found guilty, uh, but I think they've they've put their heels in. I think they're going to challenge it, and they have the the ability to challenge the government because they have something that some people don't have, 
which is tons and tons of money right. and I resources. Just, I don't think there's any purpose in, in sending her to jail for 14 days. I think it's sending a message to the other defendants. And I also think, and I want our listeners to understand, that the federal sentencing guidelines, I mean, oh my God, you need a PhD in calculus to follow this because there's an offense level and then there's sentencing recommendations and then the judge can go beyond that. So someone like... Uh, Felicity Huffman, she was at a an offense level of a seven, which was like the lowest. That's why her recommendation was a month by the prosecutors, whereas other people, you know, it, their their offense level goes much higher and therefore they're facing double digit month sentencing. So it's uh, it's it's very confusing. It's very tough. And again, it's in the judge's discretion to go outside of these sentencing guidelines. So someone like Lori Laughlin could look at more time, especially the longer she waits. Absolutely. And and Felicity Huffman gets a deal because she's accepting responsibility for what she did by pleading guilty. And if you go to trial, you are not accepting responsibility. You are challenging it. You don't get the benefit of that. Okay. So at Core TV, we will keep our eyes open on what Lori Laughlin does next. Now, shifting gears. Next up, Vinny, I'm going to ask you, what does a cheating spouse, a corn rake, and a hog farmer have in common? For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. So, Vinny, do you have an answer for me? What does a cheating spouse, a corn rake, and a hog farmer have in common, my friend? They're all on court TV right now. That's right. That's right. Because there is an allegation of murder for the hog farmer. His name is Todd Mullis. He's been accused of murdering his wife, Amy Lynn Mullis. This happened back in November of 2018. He says they're just working on the farm. He steps away, finds her with a corn rake, which is now something that is in our vocabulary, which wasn't a few months ago or even weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it looks like a rake, but it's a little bit shorter. It's, if you took a pitchfork and sort of melted it and bent it, that's bent what a corn it, right. rake is like. And it's uh, very sharp and apparently very deadly. Yes. Now, Todd Mullis is saying, hey, we were all working on the farm, stepped away, came back and found her with a corn rake in her back. And then at some point he removes the rake and the son finds him, uh, finds her, excuse me. So their son and he's known as TRM. the son, 13 years old at the time, just finds his mom. Just yeah, a kid. yeah, uh, finds his mom like that. Calls the dad over. The dad takes the rake out of her back, takes her to the hospital, and Todd Mullis doubles down every time he's asked and says, "Accident, accident, accident. Must have been an accident." That's all he says. That's yeah. all he knows. Well, this is a, this is a case where you've got the the two oldest motives in the book or alleged motives, right? You're talking about love, love and, and money. money. Exactly. Love. His wife cheated on him back in 2013, and he suspected that she was uh, seeing someone else around the time of her demise. So you've got an, an alleged cheating spouse, right? That, that draws up a lot of passion, a lot of hatred. Well, the other part of it is money. We say he's a hog farmer. This guy's a millionaire. 
I know you keep telling me how much money he's he has. Got a lot of money. He's very successful in the hog farming business, and uh, as a result, uh, you know, there's an allegation that he doesn't want to give up half of his stuff. You know, if your if your wife is cheating on you, you get a divorce, right? If you if you don't feel you can trust her and the relationship's not working, but if you get a divorce. Prosecutors say he's afraid he's going to lose half of his stuff, including uh, money and the farm. So, but it sounds like the oldest motives, right? After the 2013 affair by Amy Mullis, that they repaired their relationship. They went on. They stayed together. But when it came time to this incident, 2018, they were sleeping in separate bedrooms, like Ricky and Lucy. No, Ricky, excuse me, oh, Ricky and Lucy, beds. separate beds, and that Same was bedroom. for TV, TV purposes. Because you, what do you think, like, little Ricky came out of nowhere? You <laughs> yeah. think he was just, like, puff well, out of nowhere, little Ricky? Yes. Um, God, little Ricky was so cute. He, he was. Babaloo. Babaloo. Here's do you remember the, here, Babaloo? Absolutely. But in, in this case, the, the problem that you have for this defendant is a simple math problem, Okay. A corn rake has four prongs. Yes, okay? sir. The victim, Amy Lynn, his wife, has six puncture wounds in her back. Four are going in one direction, two are going in another direction, according to the expert for the prosecution. So you take six puncture wounds minus <laughs> four prongs in the corn rake, that equals murder. Yeah. This can't be an accident. <laughs> Someone right. else has to do it. But from my perspective, that sounds like something you could go with at trial because you've got a wife who's allegedly cheating with a married man. But as a defense attorney, you have to serve up a human, a person. You need well, a plan B. You can't go up there and say, oh, well, it was an accident. Somebody else did it. You can't talk about reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt doesn't work like that. You have to say X person did it. Right. Y person did it. Right. And I think they've got to make a reasonable argument that perhaps the woman who was married to the man she was cheating with yeah. or the man she was cheating with right. had an, a, a, some sort of motive, which would be obvious for the, the other woman, and, and maybe some sort of opportunity to do it. Well, and that's the problem because this farm was, like you said, they were millionaires. It was huge. huge. It wasn't like... Pepperidge Farm, where you can no, just walk a, on and buy some bread. Like it's, it's not, not a, accessible. It's no, just it's, it's a yeah. big commercial farm. They are Huge. raising tons of hogs. You got to know your way around to find exactly. out where they are. Um, but at the end of the day, right? Prosecutors have to prove that he did it. Have to prove it. So you've got the motive. Um, does he have the opportunity to do it? Is is he um, able to do it? you know, and get away from his son, who's 13 years right. old. Right, right, Well, okay, so like you were saying, this is a huge or a very well-known, repetitive type of theme that we've seen in criminal trials, and that is the love triangle, the cheating Absolutely, spouse. all the time. Now, a new one that we're starting to see a lot is the internet searches. Yes. Oh. The, oh. Digital evidence is is so powerful. But this is now happening every trial. Excuse me, people, stay off the Google machine. You can't. Stop Googling you things. You can't. Because, and, and what I love about digital evidence, I'm talking about things like social media, what's on your phone, right. what's on Everything. your computer, um, is that it takes you inside the mind of the suspect or the criminal defendant. Because when I'm on my phone by myself in my room, I don't expect other people to, to, to see what I'm doing. 
to understand right, what I'm right. doing. You're getting inside my mind and my thoughts. And and to me, it is such powerful evidence That's for right. the jury. And, and every juror can relate to it because they all have those moments themselves. Yeah. You know, where they're searching things. Inside the mind of Vinnie Carlton is a scary place to well, be. Well, it would be. <laughs> and I think we all think about what our searches there. would look like in a murder trial. But okay. He's got some oh, questionable ooh, ones. Oh, tough. Okay, so the date of this incident was, was November 10th, 2018. On the cell phone and iPad, investigators found on November 6th, four days before Amy's death, Todd did a search for, quote-unquote, organs in the body and visited the website organs underscore anatomy, sciencetrends.com, uh, to view a body organs map and diagrams. Yeah, that's that's troublesome. That's troublesome. Wait, but do you, what do you think? Like, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to kill her and then I'm going to donate all her liver? No, you want to know where the vital organs are. Oh, to how to kill someone. Well, potentially, yes. Okay, all right. I don't know. I don't um, know. There could, Keep, you know keeping it clean. Well, there's got to be an explanation because that does Wait, not... Wait, you know in the beginning of the show, they say something like the opinions... Right. Are not expressed. It's like you saying it about me. Like the opinions <laughs> expressed by Seema Iyer are not of anyone else's. Okay. Certainly not mine. Definitely not yours. So, but now there was more of, of searches that he did. So back prior to the date of the incident on May 10th, he does a search for, oh my God, Todd, killing unfaithful women. What happens to cheaters in history? What happened to cheating spouses in historic Aztec times? What do you think that was about? Well, they're going to need evidence of, of some Netflix series or documentary that he was watching, because otherwise that's just bad. Wait, but doesn't that Aztec have something to do with corn? Isn't there some... Maze. They maze, call, they, yeah. They, they call it maze. Oh, right. I'm being serious. I, I don't know, smiling. I'm, I'm being totally well, serious. I thought there was like a connection with Aztec there, there, and corn. There may be. There may be some connection there, but, you know, cheating spouse, that's his world. That's his life. And before that, and before that, in January, again, we're talking about January 2018, he, Todd, did a search for thrill of the kill. Yeah. That one, you know, you put them together, and you put them together for this jury, it becomes problematic. To that me, could be hunting. It, it could be. It absolutely could be. And, and uh, that would not be a, a crazy type of search. But the problem is these searches are under the, the, the shadow of you're on trial for putting a corn rake in the back of your cheating wife. And that's the problem that he has, talking about cheating spouses. And if you're searching about what happens to cheating spouses or what should happen to cheating spouses, it becomes a major, major problem. Big problem. All right, folks. We've got the next big trial. Coming up on Court TV, jury selection has already taken place, but opening statements are just around the corner. It's a case you know. It's a case you've heard about. It's out of Dallas, Texas, involving a police officer in an apartment shooting an unarmed accountant. Why would she shoot an unarmed accountant? Well, that's a question I think prosecutors need to answer at this murder trial. It's the case of Amber Geiger, the victim, Otham Jean. He's black, she's white. We'll talk about it next. Court TV is everywhere. This is Court TV, your front row seat to justice. 
with live gavel-to-gavel -gavel trial coverage. We'll bring you the most compelling trials across our nation. I am a homicidal maniac. On the air, online, in your pocket. You'll see and hear all the evidence. Can you take the hose and squeeze it? And streaming free on Roku, Fire TV, and Apple TV. The verdict is in. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. The next big trial on Court TV is one that draws a lot of passion and opinions out of everyone. And I know this because being on the set, uh, previewing this case with my guests, uh, I can see their eyes light up as uh, they talk about it. And I'm talking about the case out of Dallas, Texas, Amber Geiger, police officer, getting off of her shift, going home, not responding to a call, but going home, uh, goes to the apartment of Botham Jean, who's an, who's an accountant who lives it by himself in his apartment, is just there. She somehow enters his apartment, shoots and kills him. Shoots and kills him. Yeah. And, and, and there's so many questions around this case, and many of them have not been answered because there's a gag order of all gag orders entered by the judge. So not a lot of information has seeped out. But that's the, the gist of it. She's a police officer, off-duty goes back home to her apartment complex. She lives on the third floor. She parks her car on the fourth floor and goes to the apartment directly above hers and somehow gets inside that apartment and ends up shooting Bothin Jean. She is now charged with murder. Murder in, in the first degree. Murder in the first degree. Uh, so my, okay. my first question for you. Yes, sir. Why do prosecutors in this case have to, we know legally you don't have to prove motive. It's not an element of the crime. But do you think this jury will want to know why yes, in order to yes. convict her of murder, which is the top charge? Here? I think the first question is, why do they charge murder in the first degree? And my answer is because of public pressure. But for what we have seen in, let's say, the last five years. I, I think it all started with Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman, even though he, George Zimmerman was not a police officer. Not a police officer, never was, never right. will be. That but he was a buff. He did was a not buff. pass the psych exam. He was a buff. He was a buff. You know, so you know I worked for the NYPD, and uh, right. NYPD has an auxiliary unit, and they were basically volunteer cops. Which they, he wasn't even that. Which they all, with all the real cops, thought the auxiliary cops were like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And right. they were. And I've represented them, like, as criminals. Because they were like, woohoo. Anyway, so this is what I equate George Zimmerman to. But that is what started this, uh, I, I think, trend of public outrage for white police officers killing black men. Who are unarmed. Who are unarmed. And this is perhaps the most uh, egregious. I mean, it's it's so revolting what happened to this young man, an accountant for like Price Waterhouse, like yeah, fancy no, accountant. Really deal. He's a real deal. Real deal. Sitting at home on his couch at the end of the day, like we all do every evening, relaxing in his own home where he is supposed to be. And she comes in. But there's nothing in this case so far. Like you said, there's a gag order. In my opinion, there's nothing in this case that points to murder in the first degree, intentionally and knowingly causing the death of Mr. Jean. I don't see that. Well, I, I see maybe manslaughter. Right. Accident. Well, here's the, here's the issue with this case and, and why, you know, initially when the, the shooting takes place, there's no arrest. 
And in, in many of these cases, there isn't the initial arrest. We saw the same thing in the Drake case that we talked about yes. down in Florida. Without the initial arrest, there is outrage because the way people look at it is if Botham John had walked into her apartment oh, and it. shot her, forget about it. Would he, if he said, Oh, I thought I was in my apartment, would they let him go? Excuse me, Vinny. Would he not be arrested immediately? He would have been arrested before EMS got there to help her. Exactly. So Come that's on. that's why the outrage, and it's understandable. But now we're looking at the trial. She has been charged. She has been fired. But murder is the charge. Now, he, she willfully and knowingly shot and killed him. She knew she was shooting him. She wanted to kill him. Correct? I don't know. You know what? I listen. Why I, else would she fire the gun? Why else would she fire okay, the gun okay, if she didn't want to shoot and kill him? I know. Uh, and this is why it comes back, I think, to motive, which is, does the jury need to understand why she would do it? Yeah. Okay, yes, they, they do. And these are my questions. Uh, number one, she was coming off, was it a 13 or 15-hour shift? We've heard reports okay. somewhere between 13 and 15 hours, okay. and we believe there's going to be an expert for the defense talking about sleep deprivation and oh, how it may impact okay. what you do Can and what you Can they call what you and I to talk about that too? <laughs> We could testify for yeah. sleep deprivation all day long. Okay, so number one, I want to know the condition of Geiger. Was uh, you know was she in fact sleep deprived? Sleep deprived? How long she had been working that day? How long she had been working that week, etc. She was in her uniform, so she was yes. coming from work. I don't know if we are going to find out, but did she have anything in her system? Whether there, it's substances or medication or anything. I think it's it's standard that there will be a tox screen done. I don't think the results have been released. Okay. If a tox screen was done on Geiger upon arrest, the problem with that, which again- or at the I, time of the shooting, right? At I, the time. Well, the, well, after she was arrested, it takes time right. to get a tox done. And 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 then the, the question's always like, you know, whatever was in her system, how, you know, what were the levels at the time of the shooting? And that's what we'd want to know. Right. But what we don't if, know if there was anything. Right. And then we also, and then and you've brought this up consistently on your show, is what was the relationship, if any, between Geiger and Jean? Right. Now, here, now his apartment is directly above hers right so they're not on the same floor yeah but they're you know on he, top of each other right so you know if he's walking around and making noise maybe you would hear it in her apartment maybe maybe there were noise complaints i don't know but what i do know is the 911 call that she made yeah has not been released but was leaked online okay. i listened to it and listening to that call it's it's clear to me she does not know his name refers to him as bud come on bud she's trying to Keep him, uh, uh, you know, awake and aware because she has shot him and she knows that she's in the wrong apartment. And that's what she's saying. She's also saying, I bleeped my 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 job like I'm losing my job here and I'm in the wrong apartment. I'm in the wrong apartment. I'm in the wrong apartment. But she also never uses his name. Just refer okay, to him as well, that I generic. Do, I, right. Bud. Which is what I've seen officers uh, in my experience do a lot. You know, they'll say like buddy or like, hey, pal, or someone that you know, they don't know. Someone they don't know. Yeah. They use like generic terms of affection to connect with someone. But here's another question. How long did it take Amber Geiger to realize she was in the wrong apartment. Yeah, that question is an answer. At least, you know, you, she knows during the 911 call, but I don't know the amount of time between the shooting and calling 911. We want to find out how long did she live in that building? How long did Jean live in that building? Where did they park their cars? Have they passed each other? And you know what's really strange? 
I, I, this is so weird, twice in the last week, and I live on the fourth floor, I got off on the third floor. You and did. And I did. And the only reason I realized it wasn't my apartment was because of the doormat. Because well, I, this case I have, has a doormat as well. Right, well. He had a bright red doormat. Both in Jean did. See, that's strange because the minute I, I realized, oh, my doormat wasn't there. My doormat says namaste, by the way. And when I realized my doormat wasn't there, I I didn't go into the apartment. Did you even try to enter? No. Okay. But also, this was in the morning after a run when I wasn't like drunk or what. No. Well, know. we're not saying she was oh, no, drunk. No, no, we don't I'm know what the, when I'm when you're not drunk, drunk. Yeah. Which is only in the morning. Is that what you're saying? She's only not drunk in the morning. That's oh, don't why we have to get to a break. That's why <sighs> we. That's why we record the podcast in the AM, ladies and gentlemen. Although we should do an alternative mm. one. TikTok. Right. Oh yeah. Core TV podcast uh, after after work. <laughs> after work. There we go. Happy hour. Yeah, exactly. All right. So coming up, there's a concept in Texas law, and it's in other states as well, known as uh, mistake of fact. And this concept is the absolute key to this case. I'll explain it, and I'll explain exactly what the defense is going to argue to this jury. Hey, it's producer Dave again, and I don't mean to be a pest, but I've got to tell you about the James Patterson thriller, Killer Instinct. This book really gets under your skin. That's what good page turners do. This book inspired the TV series Instinct, which you might have seen, but trust me, the novel is 10 times better. That's why you've got to read James Patterson's Killer Instinct, available wherever books are sold. And remember, you heard the buzz here first. Mistake of fact. This is the key to the Amber Geiger Botham Jean trial because the defense is alleging that she believed she was in her own apartment. She right. made a mistake of fact. And as a result of her believing she was in her own apartment, she believed mistakenly that she had a right to shoot an intruder who she mistakenly believed to be Botham Jean. So she mistakenly believes he's an intruder, mistakenly believes she's in her own apartment, so she mistakenly believes she has a right to shoot and kill that person. When lawyers ask jurors to use their common sense, this makes sense. It doesn't make sense that this is murder in the first degree. What makes sense is that she made a mistake. The reasons she made a mistake are what I think is central to this case. To the trial, right? Yes. Because the mistake of fact under Texas law needs to be reasonable. So she can make mistakes, but those mistakes must be reasonable. So let's look at some of the mistakes that were made. First, she parks on the wrong floor. Um, when you when you exit that parking garage and right. you enter that floor, there's like on the wall a big number. And it says, oh, yeah, 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 like a parking garage. Four, okay, yeah. And she lives on the third floor. As you walk down the hallway, um, we believe at the time, because they have subsequently painted those hallways different colors, probably as a result of this case, uh, we believe the, the, the color scheme may have been the same. But then you get to that doormat that you spoke about. Yeah. Botham Jean's apartment has a red uh, welcome mat. Yeah, it's red. She does not have one. But here's another uh, fact these doors do not have the apartment numbers on them. 
Oh. So you walk up okay. to your, if you're just looking are at your you door. Are you sure about the parking garage though? That, that that she where she would have parked, she would have seen a number. Well, as you walk in, the way the court TV cameras walked in. Okay, okay, got it, got it, got there it. There was a four there, oh. and it looked like it was the only. And there was two places where the number of the floor was. One was larger than the other, so she would have had to have missed that. And then when you get to the actual door, missed the the doormat. And next to the door on the wall beneath the light, that's where the apartment numbers are. So she would have had to have missed that as well. Then the big question, how does she get in the apartment? Okay, so we heard this was an an electronic door key, right? Right. Is that a key fob thing? it, It looks like a key, but you stick it in a hole. But it's electronic, so it doesn't open because of the grooves in the key. All the keys oh, look the same. It's one of those that goes like, yep. and then you see the light or something. Exactly. If and if it's your apartment, it'll flash green and unlock the door. But the question is, does the door? Because I I did hear that those doors shut automatically. Yes, but, they do. But do they stay unlocked, or do you have to unlock? Do you have to lock it from inside? Would Jean have had to lock his apartment from inside, or? Is it open enough that you didn't need to put the key and you just open the door? Well, but why would she do that, right? right. If it's her apartment, in, in the, the, the doors automatically close from the, their That's own it. weight. Yeah. They will close. But we um, spoke with one of the neighbors, and in the demonstration where the neighbor allows her door to close from the inside, she then grabs the handle and opens it. So it does not appear to have an automatic locking mechanism and can remain unlocked. What people have to understand about the doors here is that the handle is not the locking mechanism. The key and the locking mechanism is above the door handle. Okay. So the door handle doesn't lock itself. So the lock is above the door handle. So if it's unlocked and you grab the door handle, it will open. Okay, wait. So here's, here's the only way that she would have not used her key and just opened the door is if she thought someone else was home. But she lived alone, right? She lived alone. Okay, unless she thought maybe a friend or a a lover or some such person was inside the apartment waiting for her, then she would just open the door. Right. Just open the door. But if you put the key in, right, and the door is already unlocked, I think you could put the key in. It'll flash red. Did she notice the red flash? Because if you put the key in the wrong door, it'll flash red not green. But then how'd you get in? But if it flashes red and the door is unlocked, you can still open it with the handle because the mechanism is above the handle. They're not related to each other. So the handle will still open regardless of of whatever happens with the key. Whether it's it's red or green. Right. If it's unlocked. If it's unlocked. Okay. If it's unlocked. So that's the only reasonable explanation for how she got into the apartment. Unless it was locked and there's some conversation between the two. Like, and he looks through his peephole and sees a police officer in a uniform. And now she realizes and believes someone's in her apartment. I don't know. There's a lot of unanswered yeah, questions. Yeah, a lot of unanswered questions. To me, but we, I also think we have to, like, what, what, what was her state of mind that she ignored the floor in the parking garage number? She right. ignored the red map. She ignored the, uh, the person she didn't know in the apartment. I, I mean, what was her condition? Right. So for her to be found not guilty... As a result of this mistake of fact defense, the jury has to believe all her mistakes were reasonable. Now, if they still believe she made a mistake, but it wasn't reasonable, then I think we're into the world of manslaughter where you're talking about reckless conduct, 
which is you are recklessly entering this like apartment, going to the wrong apartment, recklessly pulling out your gun because your mistake of fact is not reasonable under all the circumstances. Okay, so whatever circumstances we know now, plus, let's say, the sleep deprivation expert proves that she was sleep deprived in fact, would you think at that point we're talking about reckless manslaughter as opposed to first-degree murder? Yes, I think for first-degree murder, they've, they've got to—it can't be a mistake. She has to be going into the wrong apartment on purpose. Oh, you know what's interesting? This first-degree murder, there is no—yeah, uh, this is not premeditated. No, it's not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That is— that's huge. So there's no like cold, calculated, premeditated. None of those words none are in the that. statute. None of so, that. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's just, just intentionally willfully and knowingly causes but the still, death. Like to me, what she did. Wait, where did she shoot him? In the apartment. No, in his body. Oh uh, he, well, he's he's facing her. There were actually two shots, and I'm not sure which of the two okay, is the so fatal like shot. The body, Again, the gag order the is chest. keeping a lot of this information out oh, of the okay, public. Oh, okay, right. And well, and okay. So here's my question. So a lot of times, as you know, uh, police officers when they're trained for someone to stop to halt, they're told, okay, just you know, shoot him in the arm, shoot him in the legs. Don't don't shoot him in a vital organ. But if she shot him in a vital organ or around a vital organ, that to me shows more of an intentional purpose to kill. Yeah, I, I absolutely that believe she shot murder. to kill. I don't think there's any way around uh, that that she shot to kill because if you go with the defense theory, the mistake of fact is there is an intruder in my apartment. And in Texas, if there's an intruder in my apartment, I can shoot and kill them. Which is a lot like, right, Castle Doctrine. It absolutely is. Yeah. It absolutely is. Yeah. There's no duty to retreat. Yeah. There's no duty for any any sort of intruder who is unlawfully in your apartment as you're coming in, in, in the dark, in the night. You can shoot them. So it's all about whether or not this was a reasonable mistake that she made. If the jury believes it was a reasonable mistake, they could find her not guilty. If they believe it was a mistake but it was reckless, it could be manslaughter. If they don't believe it was a mistake that she was purposely there— then it is murder. Wow. We have so much that we want answered. I can't wait for this to start. September 23rd on Court TV. And of course, we've got information on CourtTV.com about the case so you can get ready for it. Live, gavel to gavel, babe. That's how we do it. That's the only way we roll. Hey, by the way, if you like this uh, podcast, again, I'm going to ask for the review. Write a review and give us the stars because we really need it. it. It helps. We want like a lot of words. Like Vinny is so handsome, even though we don't get to see his face. And seem is okay too. Something yeah, like yeah. That. You can write five that. stars. You can write that. Five, five stars. stars. All five. All five. Before we go, we just want to remind everyone, our listeners who get their television from an over-the-air antenna, that if you want to watch Corey TV and you can't find it, you'll want to do what's called a rescan of the channels to locate Corey TV on your dial. Rescan, people. Yeah, rescanning because then it'll go through and it'll find us. Right? Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. If you're having trouble finding Court it's TV, very cool. we are there, folks. We are there for you. Great job. This is a great show. This is a great podcast. Another week, babe. Very enjoyable. We did it. All we right. did it. Time to put on some makeup. Okay. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to courttv.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.